giddy on up everybody because that's episode 33 of ride the pod we're back once again unfortunately another one without josh but it is his birthday and he's he was up in whistler so wish the guy happy birthday by listening to this episode 16 times over i don't know uh this week though episode 33 we brought on our friend justin the guy is a hoot a holler and just an overall good time he's a such an adventurous guy he's gone on so many vacations he lives on whistler boards all the time he's just got such a, a storytelling life um, but first, before we get to the episode, a message from Meg. What do you, like, do you think the entire cooking thing is going to be loud or just the fact of getting stuff ready? Uh, this will be loud. That's like borderline a, a low pot. Mama keep the pots and pans in the kitchen. Mama keep the pots and pans in the kitchen. I'll be banging on the pans in the kitchen. So mama don't be trying to hide the pans in the kitchen. Mama keep the pots and pans in the kitchen. Mama keep the pots and pans in the kitchen. I'll be banging on the pans in the kitchen. So mama don't be trying to hide the pans in the kitchen. I like playing with the pans in the kitchen. Mama, you gon' let me play with the pans in the kitchen. Mama, don't get what you All right, episode 33 of Ride the Pod. Um, thank you guys for joining us again. Uh, we got another money guest in. Uh, we're just banking good interviews one after another. Um, but the main theme of this one is we tracked him down. Uh, we lassoed him in. We finally found the guy. No GPS needed. He's pretty much a fucking gypsy at this point. But uh, yeah, getting down to it, this guy travels. Uh, this guy boards. He drinks. But most of all, he's a bro. Uh, I want to welcome on the podcast, Justin. Justin Cheeseman, what's up? What's going on, boys? Yeah, totally, totally left field for you to come on a podcast, but this is going to yeah, be sick. Happy to be here. Happy um, to be a part of it. Yeah, pretty much three out of four times now this is bringing on a childhood friend, one that we've known for the last 10 years or so. And the best part about all the guys we've brought on so far is you guys have stories on stories that you've built up for the last five years or so. Uh, but we kind of want to start at where almost, like we do have a lot of childhood stories. That's not where I'm going to start. We could probably loop it back to there if we think of any funny shit to talk about. But for me, what I want to talk about was the first one is when you finally decided to move away from home for the first time. Because I feel like that's when, like, your story life started. Like, all the adventures and things like that. So, let's start. Yeah, that's kind of, like, when I feel like I branched out and became a real person. Because I felt like back in high school, I was kind of stuck in this kind of routine of yeah. just being a complete permafried dude. That was just on repeat. <laughs> Portofino, snowboarding. Portofino, school. Um, so... When I was in my program in Capilano, yep. like I met James, met a bunch of people that were doing the similar thing I wanted to do. Um, we all love to ski, we all love to snowboard. Outdoors was the passion. So being in that program and kind of being introduced to this world of there's a lot of work in the outdoors and that you can definitely make life in it. Um, Worcester was just like the obvious choice. Yeah. And for me to progress my snowboarding, like I was working at Grouse working there a couple times a week as a snowboard instructor. Definitely worked there a lot more in high school because it's so busy with uni. But um, the original plan was to go to Whistler and be a professional snowboard instructor and to make that my life. But Fuck. instead, um, tried to move to Whistler, no housing, ended up moving to Pemberton, tried to get a job as a snowboard instructor. Guess what? They actually wanted me to learn how to ski and teach that instead. <laughs> so I became a professional lift operator. Nice. So. But that kind of just opened the door, and that was literally getting my foot in the door in the seat of sky. Moved up to Pemby, eventually moved into Whistler, and that kind of started the whole spiral of everything else that's come after that. Nice. So, like a little bit of backstory. Um, 
not to go too far back, but you kind of decided in like late high school mm-hmm. through doing like co-op programs and stuff like that. Like you were a big outdoors guy mm-hmm. and found the program at Capilano. That was like, was that first year out of high school that you did that? Yeah. You know, what's crazy though. Like in my family, no one did outdoor things. Like my mom is like literally from China. Like, <laughs> no, but seriously, like yeah. China does have beautiful landscapes and there's a lot of outdoors there, but she lived in like a big city, came here, lived in the city, doesn't really do things outdoors. Yeah. My dad... Probably dabbled a little bit, but more of just like chilling, hanging out. He's like, he was a city person as well. Yeah. Kind of, he would work and then hit the bar after work and then kind of hang out. So, um. But your dad was also very independent. Fully. And he was at a young age. So maybe I got a bit of that from him. Like he kind of, he moved out. I think we have 17 just because of family shit that went down. But he basically was fending for himself right off the bat. So. I think that almost forced him to grow up too quickly. So then he didn't really have time to kind of pursue those kind of natural hobbies that you do. Yeah. Well, for me, um, Raffle was the one that introduced me to snowboarding. Like I was kind of doing board sports already, like skateboarding and longboarding. But then Raffle was just like, dude, try snowboarding. I'm like, keen. Yeah. Taught me how to stop on my toe edge and then I tomahawk for the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll never forget the first time I took Justin down to Bunny Hill. And we were riding in. I was like, I, I knew how to snowboard. I was snowboarding for a few years already. And then I was like teaching Justin. I just remember him falling down in like this little ditch where like a snow cat usually runs through. Oh and then I look over to my left and there's a snow cat coming through. And I'm like, oh fuck, Justin's going to die right here. And he like <laughs> literally crawled out of the ditch. It was literally one of those moments where I was laying there and I looked up in a panic. It was like deer in the headlights looking at yeah. the groomer like, we're probably going to get ran over right now. Yeah. And it was like first time wearing snowboards so my feet are binded. So I was just dragging my roadkill off the road. Yeah. It's safe to say that we got the worst out of the way pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a slow and steady progression from there. Yeah. You know, you're just ultimately better than me and I'm kind of jealous, but it's... it's I think it's. I tell you this often, Raph. I remember that day Yeah. you made a note to tell me, you said... You will never be better than me. <laughs> that was just like fire, man. Fuel. Uh, yeah. Fuel to the flame. You were definitely one of those guys when we were growing up that like, you would, you would laugh, like we would, people would tease you like that, but you would laugh your ass off about it. And like, you weren't exactly the guy that like every time someone did that to you, you wouldn't be like, oh, fuck you, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But you, you shouldn't know that because you're a big board guy. Yeah. I don't know. Anything I, with board and wheels and just, or not even wheels, just fucking board. Boards, board sports were cool, man. It yeah. was cool. Like, skateboarding was good. I never really got that good at it. Longboarding was sweet. It was commuting, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that we all did, so that's a cool thing to do as a crew. Yeah. Well, going down big hills was always fun, right? Oh, that was adrenaline, you know? Yeah, it actually like, was. Going fast. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, guys, you guys have a certain thing that I didn't really have, which was, and I have it written down, it's kind of the send it slash huck your meat mentality, Oh. where you just somehow accept the fact that when you're learning something, you're going to fall and hurt yourself, which totally. I always struggled with. Yeah. Scary mentality. It is. I don't like it. No. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You have to have that kind of mentality in those kind of sports, like snowboarding, it's not necessarily always a huck and hope. Like nowadays, it kind of is that because there's a lot of fear when you're like jumping off jumps or big cliffs and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's that mentality that falling hurts, but not that bad. Yeah. And that when you pick yourself up and you try again, you try again, eventually you do get it. True. That being said, obviously do things within your comfort level. Totally. Don't, don't, yeah. don't fucking... <laughs> don't blind send. You gotta be... It's gotta be... What is it? Perceived risk or... Yeah. Edgy, I don't know. It's a calculated risk. Calculated risk. There you go. That's a word. Okay. Yeah. yeah that sounded good. 
So you moved. Yeah. So you did your program at Capilano. Yeah. So that um, was outdoor recreation management. Yeah. We were actually going to the same school at that time. Yeah. Me and I you was man. there six days a week. I feel like you were there five days a week. And you know what? It was always a treat when we randomly run into each yeah, other. Just out of nowhere. Because even though small campus, we barely saw each other. Oh yeah, we were, and we were both bussing too. We were both knee deep in our programs though, oh, or dude. like our lifestyles at that point. Knee deep, man. We were yeah. balls deep. <laughs> balls deep <laughs> in a squealing butthole of my own butthole getting fucked by school. Yeah, I yeah. was kind of not really. I was more of a tree hugger, so I was all good. <laughs> yeah, you had these six stories like, yeah, I'm going to Garibaldi for seven days. I'm like, great. I'm. That's how I started my program. Literally, yeah. they're just like, read this book. It was called like Backpacking 101. I'm like, wow, this sounds a bit fluffy. And then like the next <laughs> week, it was like first week, it was a week before school started. We went to Garibaldi and did like eight days in Garibaldi Park hiking. I'm like, no I'm into this. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the way, like, like you, you trim the fat right away on who's going to be in that program. Like, yeah. within the first week, you're going on a week-long trip. That's a yeah. good way to do it. It's cool, too, because you kind of feel everyone up. Like, hiking is one of those things that really... you. It forces you to get to know the people that you're with right away. And I think that's why they did it. It was kind of like a team building exercise. Like, like here, put all these people together, force them to survive out in the backcountry, and then you're going to get to know each other. Did, um, did most people make it through that program? Um, I was actually shocked. And I think it was just because it was my first time in post-secondary. But a lot of people dropped out from the first year to the second year. Yeah. Um, some of them just didn't have their head in the game. Other people, they were just commuting from too far away but yeah. for the most part the core crew like it was a small program it's not like your normal like giant lecture of like 100 people yeah i don't it, even know if like that's intimate normal. 30 kind of thing yeah intimate 30 it's yeah all that definitely nice. and we all had the exact same classes for the most part a couple people were filling in courses from other things but yeah we were the same crew the whole way through that's badass yeah it was like a two-year program with a work experience tagged in there and so then at some point so you finished that two-year program your program i did with a bit of a blip like it was supposed to be winter semester spring semester and then the summer we we're supposed to do like a practicum yeah um me and my buddy james did not land a practicum everyone else did and we did not oh partly because we suck but <laughs> mainly because we actually just didn't plan we're professional procrastinators i guess you could say yeah so didn't do a practicum. I'm surprised summer. there's not more of those people in outdoor recreation. Like that is pretty yeah. much the tree hugger lifestyle. And you tell me all these people were like, yep, all over it. Homework done. I guess so. I don't know how they did it. Maybe it's they're incredible. tourism professionals. Maybe they're a little bit more on it compared to outdoor people like me and James. But uh, we just used it to like save up money and party. I think is what we did. Nice. But <laughs> we almost made this crazy thing. So our buddy Rory, he did the program. He's from the States. Um, he was living in downtown Vancouver, so we're spending a lot of time there. Yeah. And he nearly tricked me and James to dropping everything and moving to downtown Vancouver. Really? We were this Drop, close. Dropping everything, meaning? Just like committing the money, moving out, go okay. to downtown Vancouver. Me and James were 18. We couldn't even drink, and we were nearly about to. He was selling us on the idea of playing like Mario Party and drinking beers after work. And we were just <laughs> like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Nice. So what would that bank you though? Like what was what was so nice about it? It was just gonna be like cool, you know, just yeah. like to move out for the first time, to yeah. be in downtown. The notoriety is, of it all. Like you, yeah. you get a job like your job wouldn't be amazing downtown, but you'd be working downtown. Yeah, I guess. You'd get off work, you have your your homies at home every night. Well, I mean like right now we probably think about it downtown, we're like, fuck, that's expensive. Oh yeah, now yeah. now being a bit older and understanding a bit mm -hmm. more about the way the world works and like the And that's why it didn't end up happening, is because it was expensive. And I'm glad it didn't happen because yeah. you guys were probably sorry, go ahead. All that money, I would have spent moving downtown. I wouldn't have been able to move up to Whistler. Yeah. 
Because you so, guys would have probably been splitting like a 600 square foot, 700 square foot fucking apartment. Yeah, we would have been paying up the ass. Yeah, like 2,500 bucks. Like, that's crazy. It would, have, it would have been a paycheck to paycheck kind of thing. All my savings would have been gone. Yeah. Which, yeah. It, we all do that on something eventually, but like that, looking back, I bet you're hella glad you didn't do that. So glad. Yeah. So, so glad. So did Rory just fall off the map then? Um, no, so he still lived down there. He did the last semester. And he's actually moved on to do crazy things. Like he, I just found out like maybe a year ago that he got married. Oh. I know. That's the most adventurous thing you do. Fuck. Good for but, him. The, but the thing I didn't realize is that when we were in school, he got married and he just didn't tell me. And then years later, I found out he got married. I was like, what? Damn. Crazy. Weird. I know. So were you going to be living with his wife? Like what? No, <laughs> what? no. So he was uh, living on his own. His wife was living North End. But they, oh, yeah. she's from Europe. So they actually live in Europe right now. Oh, and wow. he, he does parkour, so he teaches like parkour lessons at a gym there, and then he hikes a lot. And maybe you should have moved in with Rory. Yeah, this guy's yeah, going. Exactly. <laughs> he could be in Europe right now. Shit, you yeah. could have been his wife. Yeah, I'd have to. Can you marry three people at once? No, I'd have to join in. It's Europe, man. You can do anything you want. I just hop on the bandwagon and be like, "Yo, you got two holes." <laughs> everyone needs. <laughs> everyone needs their half Asian honey, right? Uh, Fuck yeah! So you end up moving to Whistler mm-hmm. instead. Um, with James. With James, yeah. Yeah, with James, Jenna, and Emma. Those were the four of us were on the program together when we moved up there. Nice. Was that into the palace? Not the palace quite yet. That, that was Pemberton first, right? Yeah, we oh, went that's to Pemby. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So couldn't lock in housing, so Pemby was 25, 30 minutes up the road. Yeah. I had a car, so me and Emma had cars. James and Jenna would have to hitchhike or jump in the car with us <laughs> and come into work early. Like, I was starting work at either... 6 a.m. or 7.15, so I was leaving at like 5 or 6 a.m. every day to get to work. Fuck. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a big grind. I know. And I was getting paid minimum wage, like 10.25 Fuck. to stand in the elements and say hi to people <laughs> when I really wanted to tell them to get blasted by snow every once in a while, yeah. <laughs> I had a sick gig, though. I was working in, I don't know if everyone knows, but Glacier Chairs on Black Homes, one of the Alpine lifts. Yeah. And basically, on a powder day, I was. we had a really cool team. There's three people that work a lift. You always have one person at the bottom, one person on the top, one person on break. So on a powder day, you get two people at the top waiting. You get final clearance from Alpine office to basically say, open your lift. One lifty drops in before anyone else gets fresh, turns the whole way down. And then you just keep bumping. You just keep that cycle going and you just keep lapping and lapping and lapping. And then you basically ride all day because you spend like... Oh, so you're riding down every time. Yeah. That's sick. Fuck. And you just keep lapping. So it's good. How often are you riding down? Um, so that was only on a powder day that you do oh, that. Okay. So then you're constantly getting laps. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you get two 45-minute breaks a day. And then nice. I would eat in the lift. So then on those 45-minute breaks, I could just go ride. Yeah. Nice. Eight-hour shifts, right? Um, they're 10 hours. That's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, two 45-minute breaks? Think about it. Yeah. Like, I would either start at 6, finish at 4, or you'd start at... 7.15 and finish at like 5.15. Well, that's, the mount, that's like basically open to close for the mountain. Exactly. And that's yeah. like just before open, just after close to do set up and tear down is what yeah, it was. Nice. And would you say, very quick question, would you say that it was a job that was easy to perform as hungover? Or was that... <laughs> you know what? Guaranteed you were there crippled a couple of days. I, I was... I definitely threw up at the top of Accelerator Chair one morning. <laughs> like, Middle of the mountain, nice. Well, I was flipping chairs. This was like in the morning. So yeah. I'm just flipping chairs, getting them all ready to go. And then I was like, 
I'm gonna go. Went by the hut and just like unloaded last night's night. Oh fuck! <laughs> but I actually didn't drink that much that first season because I was living in Pemby. So every time I wanted to come to Whistler and drink, it was a mission because I'd have to find somewhere to crash. Yeah, or find a way home. Yeah, which that worked. Taxis are not an option and carpooling. Like someone out at the DD, which not everyone in the house was down to drink. So yeah. didn't drink that much. It wasn't until I moved to Whistler that I really started to. Boom, so fast forward, you're in Whistler, where are you? Boom, moved into a house, um, eight of us were living there, me and my buddy James were deuce in a room, and we're zipline guides. Nice. <laughs> yeah. This is the palace. This is the palace, and that yep. zipline guide position was the practicum that we were supposed to do the summer before. Yeah. <laughs> now we're doing it, except we're now partying five out of seven days a week, nice. and we're showing up to work hungover every day basically <laughs> if got, i had to peg that that's not a job you want to do hungover though like you're literally ziplining you're like oh, i mean yeah like if i were to show up to the zipline place and justin was my guy i'd be like dude fuck it send anybody else over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that i fucking reek of booze in that thing i just must have like really gaping pores and just yeah. beer just emits out of me in the morning so i literally rock up there give them the safety demo i'm like let's go zipline <laughs> yeah, with like, their raspy voice all right, guys, we're going to go on this <laughs> The one family's like, holy fuck, he's still drunk. Yeah. Oh, the German people probably loved it. They're yeah. like, yeah, this guy's our type of person. Well, the thing is good is that the first tour, you were still drunk. So you were having a great time. Yeah. Second tour, you were like, I'm starting to come down a bit. Third tour, you were hungover. <laughs> and you were hungry. You were ready to go home. Maybe you were ready to start nauseous. again, basically. But by the time you get home, you've kind of like went through the hangover of the last tour. And now yeah. you're like sober. And then you look at your roommates when you get home. You say, what day of the week is it? Everyone looks and they're like, boom, Tuesday, Tommy Tuesdays, let's go out. <laughs> every Absolutely. day of the week has a locals night. So you can go every single day of the week in Whistler. No way. Jesus. Yeah. It's reckless. <laughs> That's kind of fun. But though. you were 20 years old at the time, were you not? I was 19. 19 at the time. So yeah. I mean, 19 in Whistler. <laughs> it's pretty much okay. So the way I look at that situation, every person when they're young has the idea like, I'm going to move in with all my friends. It'd be so sweet. Mm -hmm. You guys basically did that. Moved into one of the like mountain, like the mountain capital of Canada, mm -hmm. being legal drinking age, yeah. just legal drinking age, and just putting it in a complete ski bum lifestyle. Oh. Where there's a locals night every fucking night within walking distance. That's what Whistler is. Like our house wasn't unique. That is like... There's hundreds of houses like that in Whistler doing the exact same thing. Just getting loose, having a good time. For like a quick minute, let's talk about Whistler rent though. Like how, oh. like for that house. That was the cheapest in, rent I've ever, I've ever paid. Pemberton or the Palace? The it was palace. the same, same They're price. Same. Um, we, me and James had a better room in Pemby than we did in the Palace. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. Like we were paying $500 each to share a room. And everyone was paying that. So, so there's eight people on the two floors, right? So yeah, you had to climb like the massive staircase to get in. Yeah. Main floor with the living room was me and James. That's one room. And then there's three rooms upstairs. Yeah. One room had three people. One had two people. One was like, half the room was cut off by the roof. It had like that angle of the roof. Oh yeah. So it was yeah. half a room. It was like it's half fucked. a room. Yeah, but yeah. we were still charging the same amount. And pretty, oh, you know what? I think that one was $100 more. And then the girls who shared a room, they were all like 30 to $40 less. Okay. Oh, so it bounced out. Yeah. Yeah. So they were probably paying like four. So basically within your group, there's four grand of rent a month. Yeah. And then that is that, that's not even all that helps though. There no, and then there was another suite downstairs. With yeah, two people living in it, wasn't it? There was, I think, four. It was, no, no, no. 
there with, like, was, the two Australian guys or something that we met. Yeah, so there was at least one bedroom for sure. I think there might have been two bedrooms, and then there was, like, a, a giant cutout in the wall, and there was a bed in that, and someone and his girlfriend slept in that. So that's there was, like, four or five people in there at one point. Jesus. So it's basically, like, another 1500 at least, maybe yeah. 2000 yeah. Like, that, that house right there is anywhere from 5500 to 6000 a month. Yeah, it's crazy. That's and then, insane. like, a lot of the time you have people crashing on couches, like... Numerous times I was living in the palace, like, there's people crashing on the couch for, like, three months at a time. Yeah. Wow. Just, they were okay with it. Well, we, yeah. were, we were okay with it. They, they had nowhere to live, so they were cruising. Yeah. yeah. And that's just, I feel like that's just a lifestyle around there. Like, no one judges, yeah. but no one also, like, no one, like, no one's happy, but they're not happy staying on the couch, and you're not happy yeah. to have them stay on the couch, but you know, Honestly, you know like, how hard I, it is. Yeah. Like, it sucks, because housing is tough, but yeah. I've had people crash on the couch, and it, it does suck, just because... They now all of a sudden take away this chill space. This communal space now became like okay. someone's personal space, and they're yeah. always there. Yeah, yeah that kind of sucks. They got nowhere else. Could you imagine right what it was like to stumble upon Whistler before the Olympics, when like it was kind of a normal city? Like I understand the mountain wasn't as developed, and the city wasn't either in the village, but like I'm sure it was still a fucking sick place. Oh man, I think it was just more lawless. You know? I think it was always expensive though, wasn't it? It always was. Definitely not. That's getting way worse now. Like, when yeah. I got there, like I told you, that $500 is the cheapest I ever paid. It's getting way worse. <clears throat> but it's cool because I talked to, like, some of my employers and the bosses. And I'm just like, so what was it, like, 20 years ago when you first rocked up here or 30 years ago? And most of your employers will tell you that they used to live in a van. They really? used to not buy lift tickets. They would hike up the first chairlift. Once you hiked up the first one, they wouldn't scan up there. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, my boss... He said he would hike to the top of Creekside every day with his buddies, bring a camp stove, cook up breakfast, and then go ride pow all day. That's so sick. That was just for free. For free. Yeah, that's, that's such a free. sick lifestyle. And then they'd come down and p- go back to their vans and just have like a tailgate party. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. That was just the way. Yeah. Like, I think the difference lifestyle. between pre-Olympics to now is that uh, it's just like a tight butthole now. Yeah. There's a lot more regulation. <clears throat> Yeah. There's a lot more fun, please. There's no more free parking. What are lift tickets now at Whistler? $120? No, so... Because they got bought up by Vail, right? When we were all in university, it was 115 Really? 115 a day pass. 115 a day pass. Unless you bought that like special thing that would give you discount rates. But yeah, you had to I think it was an edge card or something Edge card, like yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Um, and then when I moved up there, I bought a discounted locals pass, and I was still paying like 1700 after tax. Oh, full seasons pass was God. like over two thousand. That is insane. Yeah. But then again, it's like you're living up in Whistler. That's like if you go snowboarding what like 12, 15 times throughout the course of the season, you have it paid off and you're exactly in profit, off, right? Yeah. yeah. But now you mentioned Vale bought it, so there's been yeah. a switch. They're trying to they're basically trying to stop the day skier from coming up from Vancouver. So yeah. they're upping the day ticket price, they're bringing down the season's pass. So now season's pass, super affordable. It's about $1,200. Nice. That's and insane drop. I know. That's super cheap. It's like very half, cheap. Half price almost. Yeah. yeah. And I'm happy to pay that, but my company covers it now. So even better. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. We've stayed at the end of the season. They reimburse. So fucking nice. sick. That's, That's sick. Awesome. But then day ticket price. 160 185 Ooh, last no season. No way. Would not be surprised if it's 200 this season. That's fucking. That's only for, what, eight hours of riding? Not even give or take. Give or take. Because what first year is at thirty, and then in the preseason when it gets dark early, they close at like three. That's so we're talking like maybe like seven hours. That's not worth it. It's extortionate. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to make it so expensive because they don't want day skiers up there. They want the package skiers. 
they want Buddy so Guy money, and his family coming from oh. Utah, from Colorado. They got oh, lot, it's I an American it. company, right? Yeah. yeah. American guys come up, they're staying for a week or more. They say the average family vacation in Whistler for a week costs around fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. Insane. That's yeah. fucked up. Actually, like when I think about it though, the skiing's expensive, yeah, everything's expensive, like the hotels everything. and stuff, like everything. For a family of four, you said? Yeah. Yeah, so say like you're staying seven really nights those kids at a are hotel. At least sixteen. And it's five hundred dollars a night. That's three thousand five hundred dollars on accommodation. You're going out for meals every night between four people. Your bills are like probably a hundred bucks every yeah. time. Yeah. So let's like lump maybe two hundred dollars a day on food. That's a so you do that by seven days. We're talking fourteen hundred dollars. That is forty nine hundred dollars just on accommodation of food. Now you got ski rentals, ski lessons. $200 a day per person at the yeah. least. Yeah. And then that could be for rentals. And then you got lift tickets. Yeah. We just said $185. It's obviously cheaper if you stay for seven days. So maybe it's like $130, but still for seven days. For four people. Yeah. Racks up. <laughs> Insanity flights. A lot of money. A lot of people come for private lessons. It's $800 for a private lesson for one day. <laughs> $800 for one day? Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. So you can see how it adds up really quick to that 15 to 20 grand. Dude, yeah. There's a block. Your instructor better be like a fucking Olympic athlete at that point. $800 for a oh, day? Dude, yeah. really? Do you, is, do you think there's like a black market for ski instruction up there? Ooh, like there's like locals going around like, hey, I hear you guys have an accent. Like, I'll do it for 200 You gotta be super <laughs> mum's the word. Though. Oh, yeah. And you can't even look like you're giving someone a lesson because yeah. you're not wearing the... You have to look friends. Yeah. yeah. Friendly. You have to look friends. So I you can't have like English a dad bob and two little kids is what you're doing. Yeah. You got to have decoys. Just yeah. like a whole bunch of little kids that you don't know, but you're just like, hey, just hang out with us because we're giving the lesson. <laughs> so I'll true. teach you something too. Now that's, <laughs> that's a fucking opportunity though. You can make 200 bucks every three days maybe. Totally. Yeah. Well, my buddy, not going to drop names because it's illegal, yeah. but he gave someone like a lesson and... I think it was through his class. He was doing like one of those camps where they have the same kids every weekend. Basically, their parents really liked the kid. So they started bringing him up and just doing lessons under the table. And they were just paying him cash. That's so sick. For less than the price, which was still all the money was going into his pocket. That's still a ton of money. You could literally like, like I'm saying, you could, if it's $800 for a lesson, you could justifiably say like, I'll do it for 200 And they're probably hearing that like, I'm serious. Like. You actually know how to ride. As long as you know how to ride a snowboard, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. And like that's 200 bucks for you to go riding. Like you're loving that. And that's probably like how much they make normally. Because yeah. a private lesson instructor, like the high level instructor is probably making about $30 an hour. So yeah. seven hours making, what, is that $210? Yeah. To yeah. get to that point, it's a yeah. lot of work too. Yeah. But that shows that the mountain's pocketing $590 to themselves. Just, it's yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Just for you signing, like just be the middleman pretty much. And have totally. Yeah. Dude, you gotta be thankful I taught you for free. Thought, yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, I've passed on that knowledge. What goes around comes around. That's true. I was good to the exact same thing. Holy shit! I literally was thinking, what's it? Called? Oh, party foul! No bone needed. Sorry, I need a new beer anyway. We're gonna pee so much. Oh my god! Is this good? Is this how we do it? Yeah. Is oh, this yeah. podcasting? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So guys, I wear hats now and I have long hair. That's what's up. The carpet does match the drapes. Yo, so my buddy's carpet does not match the drapes. He's got red hair, he's got blonde pubes. Shit. What? Okay, when you say red hair, do you mean like strawberry blonde or like... You mean like he's straight up ginger? Like straight up flaming red hair. Wow. What? How is that possible? Is it pubes strawberry blonde? Just blonde. I don't... I think that's just Maybe brown. Have you seen them? Yeah, we drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
I just, so, I just what, like, is like the myth that, that, like, gingers are supposed to have, like, ginger pubes and, like, ginger armpit hair, too, and, like, ginger chest hair? Like, what the fuck is it? I think so, so. this girl was actually so. a flaming ginger high school, and I asked her, I was like, what color are your pubes? And she was like, blonde. I'm like, cool story. Yeah. <laughs> she actually turned out, at the time, she kind of liked me, but in high school, I don't know why, because I wasn't even a hot dude. I was just like, no, nah, not good enough for me. I feel like that's everyone just kind of like grew up and then everyone just became attractive. Who, like, oh. That's actually, no, there's this case that there, there's girls that I went to high school with too where I was like, you should have been, what, what it is is you should have been able to guess. Like there's obvious things like, oh, they have braces. They're not hot. Like they're not going to have braces when they're 22, 24. Like, when in high school, you just don't think here. I'm just going to double cushion so I'm a bit closer. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but when you're in high school, you just don't think about that shit. You don't think about the future. No. Think about tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think about the max you think about is the summer and September next year. Yeah. That's what you think about. It's true. It's funny. I haven't changed much because now I just think about winter and spring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much a seasonal person. Yeah. Winter, so, spring, and then fall dead season. Damn. I'm a three season guy. That's fair. Fuck summer? No, no. I'm a winter, spring. summer. Oh, okay. But spring Wait, toys what? into winter because you can snowboard in spring. Therefore, it's a part of winter. Well, yeah, winter, winter, winter and spring are like together they're very much together because yeah. winter goes all the way into like you can snowboard until may 22nd yeah so which is almost summer yeah which is almost summer and then at the end of may you can start mountain biking boom it's summer that's so sick there's no spring i still i still haven't gone mountain biking there i really want to go oh, i'm scared too really let's go first day you and yeah. i what, what happened to the send it huck it mentality so mountain biking is very scary because there's yeah. no snow it's rocks and there's trees yeah. <laughs> think about it this way you ever be like walking down a trail and you like twist your ankle on like a sharp rock or something like that yeah. think about it this way your body's gonna be hurtling at that at fucking 30 kilometers an hour going so, down on a fucking or like mountain bike a tree run on skis now yeah. imagine you're on a bike with rocks snow. yeah yeah no i'm not a fan. and you got you handlebars i wouldn't do it yeah one so, of us goes over the handlebars for sure oh I'm a professional going over handlebars. <laughs> let me tell you, um, not much of a biker, never really have, didn't really learn to ride a bike until I was maybe 12. Yeah. So later in life, um, obviously I'm very old because I'm the right age of two years old. So 12 years old, big time to learn to ride a bike. Um, borrowed a bike for my work and just decided that I was going to keep it for the summer. So I've been riding that bike around and been ripping out on some like green trails in Lost Lake. So I'm thinking like, oh, I'm getting pretty good at biking. I'm getting pretty comfortable hitting these greens, like beginner trails. And then we're on the main trail, like probably could drive two cars on this gravel trail. And on the side, there's little like side hits. So I start towing around the side hits, fully like come off one, twist the handlebars, and then I go over the, excuse me, and <laughs> fully like take the handlebars to the chest cut my leg fully up gravel cuts up the arm and i just like fully took a two chunks out of my ankle and i was like gushing blood oh. i'm just like i would do this on a fucking green trail yeah <laughs> would do that so so there you have your answer he's already been knee deep in the mountain yeah. biking trails but that's not mountain biking that's just path biking or like that was just commuting wow it's just commuting. <laughs> he's going to work yeah. my buddy actually my roommate he just broke his collarbone commuting as well he was Listen here, kids, don't text and drive. He was texting while biking, oh. hit a pothole, um, went over, I don't know, just bailed on his bike, snapped his collarbone to the point that it was protruding out of him without puncturing the skin. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That hurt. 
looks so scary. What? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just a it, big bump in his skin, like very sharp looking. Yeah, sharp. And it looked like it was going to, like, it literally looked like it could burst at any moment. Oh. When he went to the hospital, there he overheard one of the nurses saying, I can't believe it didn't pop out of his chest yet. And literally, he heard that. He was like, um, excuse me, I'm fucking right here. And he was he was actually scared. Really? And he didn't end up getting surgery for four days because he had to, he's from the UK, so he was trying to get, like, his travel insurance to wow. make sure they're going to cover it. Yeah. And they originally, because when they hear collarbone, like, everyone breaks the collarbone. Like, Brad broke his, like, what? Three times? Yeah. I say Probably three. 23 times. Like, that guy was just, like, <laughs> it was one of his pastimes, just breaking his fucking collarbone. Yeah. But it's a very, it's a common injury and not... Mostly, it's not that serious. Like, it'll break inside of you, and it's just like, oh, it hurts. But the people on the other end of the travel insurance didn't realize that it was, like, poking out and how badly it was. So, yeah. by the time they got photos, they're like, why? They were trying to fly him back to the UK because they have free healthcare, yeah. and they were going to do it there. And then they're like, oh, shit, never mind. We have to pay for your surgery. So, he goes I wonder, like, what is the process doing that? Like, do they, they obviously, like, first step, cut him open and let it out, and, like, then go? I have no Yeah, how do you fix that? I don't know. You can't break that into place. No, no, no. Do you think they casually just like push it back in? <laughs> it's like so operation. Things are buzzing. <laughs> just like, come on, just get in there. <clears throat> the doctor said they're like, this will only hurt a little bit. <laughs> he was lights out. Really? Yeah. Good for him. So I can imagine just... like he's under anesthesia and they're literally like, all right, guys, everyone on three. <laughs> like, all your body weight on this chain. Uh, <laughs> We're back. Okay. They probably push it in and they get like shoe goo and just like lather it up and just like <laughs> hold that for 10 seconds. Sweet. That's going to heal properly. Yeah, stitch it up. Send it pictures of the UK. 26 grand. Thank you very much. Oh, <laughs> like actually crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Where were we? So let's, let's talk about your snowboarding skill then. You are better than Raffle. Yeah. Oh, shots fired Double. right off the No, back. I'll give you, I'll give Double you that. Black. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if we've really snowboarded since I kind of went to Whistler. Last time I snowboarded with you was when I visited you in Pemberton, which was like three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. That, and that was my first season of Whistler. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like I'm a comfortable snowboarder, I would say. Yeah. You um, can do anything on the mountain. Like, yeah, I would ride up to any run on the mountain, double black, and I would feel confident that I could do it. Yeah. Um, in terms of like level i would say maybe i'm advanced yeah i don't know because in whistler everyone's good you know yeah everyone's good so it's like sure i'm better than the average person but i'm by no means fucking good um i'm just good enough i guess is what i would say if you went to any other mound like say something that locally here you'd easily be on like the better 10 percent of potentially potentially um like i can ride comfortably down off-piece terrain, like, uneven, bumpy terrain. Um, as I'm riding, I like to throw in tricks, so I'm trying to... I'm looking at the features. The mountain's like a canvas. I'm just trying to, like, create my own fucking picture as I'm coming down. And I'm looking at it. I'm looking at transition. I'm jumping off things. I'm pulling tricks. Like, that's kind of the level I'm at. Um, I'm working... What I'm working towards this season is... Last season, my goal was to air things and start trying tricks. So I'm this season or the one that just passed, I was working on grabs, doing a lot more grabs in the air, doing really simple rotations. But next season I want to be doing a lot more rotations, my riding, cleaning up the grabs, going bigger. So you're still improving your snowboarding to this day. Yeah, I've definitely plateaued. Like I think maybe my second season in Whistler was when I was like really 
was the progression was going really fast. And I think from there I've kind of leveled out and kind of at where I'm at. And I'm just trying to learn like a couple things here and there. Yeah. Um, in the spring, I started learning new rail tricks, starting to do rotations off rails and doing 50 fifties, which I was scared of, scared of for a long time. I was just like a board slider for life. And now dabble with a bit of 50 game, nice. but no, it's good. It's fun. It's scary. Falling hurts. And that's the thing. It's like, once you get good, then you don't want to fall. Especially on hard pack. Yeah. Or on trees. How do you think I feel? Yeah. I'm literally going down and I'm like, I'm going to fall. Well, skiing is <laughs> scary too because you got two twigs on each foot. I like it way better. One on each foot. Because if I if I go down, I'm limp. Like, I think a lot of people are like, trying to neutralize it and like, and like, keep your legs together and fall apart. I'm just like, take me whatever way I go. <laughs> Which probably ends up in a torn ACL one day. But it's it kind of... scary. Yeah, yeah. it avoids the... The big ones, I think. Mm -hmm. I think I'd much rather tomahawk than have that happen. Yeah. The nice thing about being on a snowboard is you're like one unit. You're yeah, one but I unit thought that the together. day that I did it, when I was falling, like my ankle was bending in ungodly ways every time. And I was like, Ooh. you're gone one day. Like, you're going to snap. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, I, was maybe I, was, I didn't know how to roll. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I don't know how to bail on skis. But look, honestly, I find that every time a skier bails, because skiers fall less than snowboarders, every time skiers bail, it's something to be worried about. Yeah, like whenever my buddy like James is probably one of the better skiers I know when he falls I'm just like holy shit James you okay when I fall it's just like Justin get back up let's go because <laughs> <laughs> snowboarders fall all the time like they, yeah. we give ourselves a bad rep because we can't stay on our feet but we also have one less edge skiers got two edges to rely on snowboarders only got the one so yeah if yeah, one edge fails true. you always got the other one to catch you exactly and so one edge always fails me so <laughs> I'm only ever riding on one edge yeah <laughs> Hey, so snowboard then. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so when we went to, uh, for those who don't know me, I'm like a very novice here. I would say I can, I can ride blues down now, comp mostly confidently. It's a challenge, but probably not. I'd say you're like a low intermediate. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. maybe just broke the surface of intermediate. So today, yeah. th this year at Cyprus, um, one of the first powder days we went there, some of our friends peeled off to like, just like a side bank. Like it wasn't a lot at all. It was just like a big, deep patch of powder mm -hmm. and they were hitting a couple things off of it. And I had this genius idea where I was like, fuck it. Let's just talk. <laughs> and I did it back. And I tried to do... No, it was a 360. Don't don't shoot this guy. Like, Whoa. Like 360. You went from doing no airs to your first air. You're like, no, I'm a 360. I didn't know. I was hitting like little side hits. Like I was... For that whole season, like the first three times we went, like it was... I was hitting side hits and just like going in the air and landing. Okay. So I got cool. that feeling down. But eventually I was just like... Because 180s are more fucked on the skis than 360s. Yeah, because you're so landing like, backwards. Just try and get there. Yeah. But no, I ate it. Yeah. I, I landed it and then I ate it. I was the same though. I learned 360s before I learned 180s. Yeah. That's funny as a snowboarder though. I know you're landing switch, but like you're still It's landing. just like unfamiliar. My like, front side 180s are fine. Backside's where it gets a little bit dicey. Yeah. I love a good back three. Yeah. I actually started Ooh. to learn. So this spring I was learning back ones. I was doing them off the mediums, which is scary because you're going off and you're blind. You can't see your landing. So in order to know you're straight, you look up and away from your landing to just make sure you're straight with the takeoff yeah and when you land on your feet then you rock forward and you look where you're going Sheesh. um so, so you, you find out the little kid you're about to hit is right there yeah oh as yeah. you're landing yeah you just try to like knock him over yeah <laughs> you hit him more in the chest area than the head so you see the kid when you take off you look down landing you're like sweet i'm not gonna land on someone then you start your rotation okay nice like it's a split second thought like you're looking, you're like, no one's actually, and then you do your rotation. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. And then, you're, yeah, you're fully blind, and then you land, and then you look forward, and then you ride out. Um, 
but it's really slushy snow, so I was trying that trick, and I thought I was doing really good. I was teasing it out with a grab in the air, but then I'd land, and I'd just try to roll away, and then boom, catch my heel edge, I guess, and just, like, tomahawk. Oh. So. I wish I, like, I know I don't see so that, but I wish you could just send me a montage of all the tomahawks that you had throughout the season. Oh, I, so I, I have a so very memorable tomahawk. I was on, coming from 7th Heaven, you can get into this area called Jersey Cream Bowl. It's like lookers left of Jersey Cream Share. So you're at the top of this kind of ridge line, and it's basically like an open bowl. There's like a cornice there, and you drop in, and it's just a big open slope. I've been there many times. And I was taking some friends in, and me being me, I just wanted to kind of show off. So instead of dropping in over the cornice like you normally would, I kind of aired off the cornice. And it was quite steep into this bowl. So when I was in the air, I started to rock a bit forward. And I was like, oh, I'm going for the spill for sure. So I landed, and my nose dug in right away. So I did one flip, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to roll up. But after the one flip, I traveled quite far upside down. And when I landed, then I went and traveled again very far to the point that, like, I'm not stopping. I'm going the whole <laughs> way. And I ended up tomahawking probably, like, over 100 yards down the slope. Shut the fuck up. Like, the first two tomahawks, I kid you not, I probably traveled, like, over 10 meters each one. That might be exaggerating. Let's say <laughs> seven meters. That's that very could doable. be like, pretty accurate. Like, I was going pretty fast when I launched in. Yeah. And yeah, I tomahawked the whole way down. My friend saw me and I just disappeared over the crest because it was so steep. I just like vanished. Jesus and they're thinking way. that I probably did two flips, but then when they started to come down and look for me, they're like, wait, where is he? <laughs> and I got so lucky because when I landed, I like kind of felt myself, felt all the pieces. I'm like, still alive, all good. Look to my left, looking uphill. Maybe like 30 feet away, there was like a whole patch of rocks that if I landed in, broken bones, punctured lungs, like fully oh, doable. Fuck. But the best bit is I was laying there, and I'm like, thank God I'm alive, and I thought about it. This run is fully visible visible from Jersey Cream Chair. There's probably people going up the chair, and they're just like, oh, this guy's about to drop in. And they watched me, tomahawk, like, biggest tomahawk ever, land at the bottom. They're probably howling. Like, YouTube moment. Once they see you don't land on the rocks, they're like, this guy. Straight up Jerry of the year. That's dummy this entire mountain, dude. That's insane. Did you think while while you're doing this, you're like, I might die. I just kind of, especially if you're going 10 meters a time. I kind of accepted, it's a moment of acceptance, you know? You're just kind of in the air. You're like, I could get hurt. I probably won't. You hope you won't. Yeah, no, that's that's terrifying though. It was a scary moment, but survived. I've had, it's all in sport. Bailing is definitely a part of the sport. Yeah, and when I think, like, when we used to longboard, that terrified me in a new way. I think I liked it more because it was easier to learn. Like, it's just mm-hmm. hop on board and fucking push. That's it. Mm-hmm. But falling on that is way worse. You're on pavement. Like, oh, snow oh, is yeah. kind of cool in that sense. Like, it's very forgiving if you're on a good day. And a good on party. a good day. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely some hard days. Yeah. Ice hurts the same amount as pavement. You just don't get the rash. But you know what? If you're in the spring when you're snowboarding in t-shirts, ice burn is a real thing. Like, if you oh, cut yeah. up your arm, like, um, on some of the days, like... In the spring, there's a lot of good days, like St. Paddy's Day, that's in March, usually sunny vibes, you're out there in t-shirt riding, you get ice burn, I took a heavy bail, I had ice burn like all up the side of my face, because I took a face plant, oh, so it's definitely doable if you got skin showing. Good guy. So when you look at yourself now as a snowboarder, like when you were younger and we knew you, you had quite lofty goals because you're such a new guy and you were very into it, mm-hmm. now having been into it now for about five years, do you still think you have like very long-term goals of where you want to be, or is it kind of like a season to season view of like like you said like small things 
Um, so when I first started, I like fell in love with the sport. Like Raffle took me up. Literally that same weekend, I went to Sport Check and bought all the gear. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to learn the sport. I'm down. Um, that was when I was 14. So I've been <laughs> snowboarding for Jeez. nine years now. Yeah. Going on 10. Yeah. Probably going on 10. So yeah, it's going to be 2020 this year. So definitely got different goals. Um, not going pro anymore. That's what <laughs> it's like anyone that brings up a sport, you kind of realize the level of skill commitment and everything that goes along with it yeah that's yeah. pretty far out yeah i'm not gonna be a snowboard instructor because fuck kids fuck kids yeah. if you got to the <laughs> level that you're teaching like other instructors that can be kind of cool but yeah snowboard like my buddy's a snowboard instructor and he's actually gotten to the point that he's teaching kids to freestyle and free riding tricks so he's actually made it but he is where i want to get to like i just really want to get to a point where i'm comfortable riding the mountain i can look at every feature i can confidently go off it throw a cool trick and just like basically get a good run down the mountain every time that's kind of what i'm aiming towards and being more steady on my feet like i want to be able to look at a cliff and be like you know i can drop that every time like most most drops i can do but once you're starting to get towards like the 20 to 30 foot range like i can't stomp those every time which i want to get to so that is another goal i want to get to eventually but it just takes time, takes confidence, takes stronger legs, I guess. I don't fall, but <laughs> yeah. something to work towards. That'd be. Um, now, I, the way I look at your snowboard, too, like it, maybe it's not so much as an adrenaline tool as it used to be, but more like a way to travel and see things. Like you've been on many trips now where part of the whole center of it was kind of going somewhere else to snowboard and like and visit totally. different areas. Like, yeah, there's, like, almost, there's almost two aspects of that. There's going to like a completely new city, a new place to go snowboard. Like this past spring, went to the States, did a big trip there, um, went to like Lake Tahoe, only had three days riding, three really quality days. They were having an amazing winter there. Two of the three days I rode three feet of fresh snow overnight. Like that's unheard of. Yeah, like crazy 90 centimeters overnight i don't even know i i, I didn't pack a snorkel so i probably almost drowned but <laughs> it, it was good but that aspect of it's cool like i've traveled to japan i've traveled to the states um experienced different snowpacks different places different cultures because of that yeah. um, but there's another aspect that it's almost like hiking in the winter and that there's backcountry touring so basically for snowboarding specifically like i have a split board my split board basically has a cut in the middle I can detach it, turn it into skis, and then put the sticky stuff on the bottom that lets me slide uphill. Nice. So I can go and basically hike runs in the winter and then snowboard down them. So that's a whole new thing that I'm kind of getting into. I've been getting into it for the past couple of years, and that's taken me to some really cool far-out places, yeah. like on top of glaciers, in the middle of places that humans just shouldn't be. And <laughs> it's cool to be out there. That science brings you there. Just standing on a snowboard. And not standing on snowboard, standing on a piece of wood with your feet attached to it and basically saying, I'm just going to go down this mountain now. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sick. So that's so sick. Yeah. Uh, let, let's jump over to traveling a little bit, though, because you, you've done some pretty sweet trips amongst your short time as an adult. So, I mean, Thailand, Japan, wherever you want to start, like, what are some of the cooler trips that you've done? What are some of the cooler moments, things you've seen? Yeah. Um, Worcester was kind of the first time I escaped from the lower mainland, but... After that, I kind of dabbled, went to the Rockies, and just went there to work and kind of experienced a new kind of mountain town. But after that, I went to like my first real big trip, which was Southeast Asia. Went yeah. backpacking, spent four months kind of hopping from country to country, and 
to list the countries I went to. Like I went to Indonesia, Malaysia, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. Like a good amount of countries. Probably too many for the four months, but a good little taster tour. Saw a lot of things, experienced a lot of things, learned a lot about myself, and kind of really started to create that field of travel, I think. Like that kind of trip really showed me how much I enjoyed it and kind of being out there and experiencing the world and kind of seeing a different, so many different things, different aspects of living, different ways to be, different yeah. different needs for myself as well as other people's and just kind of how little you need to survive. Like I was living out of a backpack for four months and being pretty much happy to do it. And it's funny because when you live here, you have so many things all the time. And then when I was traveling, I had one backpack with like a couple outfits and that's all I needed. I didn't even care. Yeah. As long as it was clean. Even if it was dirty, I didn't even care. Yeah, you're unfazed at that point. Yeah. You just, Mm -hmm. it's just the way of life. It's just the way it is. Yeah, you're there to live. Yeah. Really. The cool thing too is that there's so many people out there, especially Southeast Asia, it's very beginner kind of backpacking destination. Like it's a good place to go for the first time because tourism's really blossomed there. And I think it's fully safe. Like there was not a moment the entire time I was there that I felt in danger um didn't get picked like of course there's like bag snatchers and shit like that that happens that never happened to me so obviously it's safe Suck on that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm the one who normally has bad luck so um did nothing bad happen to me nothing bad will happen to anyone <laughs> fair that's <But>. <laughs> yeah um can you remember amongst your trips any like memorable locals or member of other tourists that you remember you're like that guy was a fucking legend or that girl couple cool kind of situations that arose um, one of the first locals we met was when I was in Indonesia, like just went to Bali, did some island hopping through the Gillies and then ended up on Lombok. Um, basically in the center of Lombok is a giant volcano and then there's just the coastline that's right around it. So not a big island. Um, climbed that mountain and then just wanted to head to a beach. So went to a beach, checked out a temple and then got talking to this local. He had like pretty decent English and he basically invited us over to his town and it was just like, come here, see where we live, see what we do, meet my family, come for some tea. And we're like, cool, we'll see you tomorrow. So got a scooter, drove over to his place, met up with him, and he kind of just showed us his village. And it was kind of, that was very eye-opening because it was cool to see, like, that was his everyday life. He walked us through the alleys of his tiny little town, showed us the rice field in his backyard that the whole community kind of worked towards to harvest the rice and feed that kind of area, which was like almost like, a suburb like boundary park it would have been like that Jeez. kind of area that mm-hmm. they all had like a couple rice fields and fed each other nice. and then showed us their house which was pretty rustic kind of like cement kind of structure with a little bit of bamboo and stuff to kind of give it a bit of flavor <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was cool and then Sick. he he showed us around his local eating holes and he also hooked us up with some a guy to get us onto a tour to go check out some waterfalls so that was cool because he was just a local dude who just wanted to talk and practice this English and just kind of hang out with us. Yeah. And like, I think the a person that doesn't travel, the first thing they hear about that is like, oh my God, someone could be trying to like kidnap you and murder mm-hmm. you and like take all your organs. But yeah. really like you get a vibe from a person when you sit down and like, they'd have to be pretty fucking good at honey dicking you like that. Yeah. Totally. And, and you know what? You really got to, it's just your judgment, you know, because there is some people out there that are out to fuck with you, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of terrifying. But... Yeah. And a lot of the time, like... As soon as you have white skin and you're walking through that country, people look at you like a walking wallet. Like, they look at you, they're trying to get money out of you. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Like, there was this one time I was in Myanmar, and we were trying to get to this bus station. Myanmar's pretty third world. Like, we are thought it was going to be a pretty cool experience. So we jumped on a public bus, and we're like, let's go 15 kilometers to this bus station. It took us over two hours to go that 15 kilometers to the bus station. The bus was stopping in horrendous traffic. It was packed to the brim. I'm getting way aside from the part. So when we were waiting for the bus, we couldn't even find the bus. Everything's in Burmese, I guess. Yeah. And the taxi driver was like, where are you going? Where are you going? And we were at the bus station, and he said $1. And I was just like, that is way too good to be true. Like, the bus is going to be the equivalent of $0.05, cents, but this guy was saying $1 for the cab. I'm like, this guy's obviously going to try to take us somewhere, and this guy's trying to scam us. So I just, like, ignored that guy, pushed him to the side, ended up talking to some other guy, asking him, like, trying to get to this bus station. He's like, yo, come with me. Got on the bus with him, and we basically got sardine canned in there for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> Jesus. You got 50 kilometers. Yeah. And then me and the person I was traveling with, we ended up getting separated on the bus. So she was sitting up front. I was sitting out back. And the only way we could talk to each other was through text. And basically, I was looking on an offline map. And I was just like seeing us get closer and closer to that bus station. And then I was like, when we were getting close, I'm like, get ready to get off. And then I basically had, to, I had a giant backpack that was just on my lap. And I used that as a battering ram <laughs> and just forced my way off the bus because no one was getting out of the way. Like, it was crazy. And, oh, like, Jesus. the bus was so full. Like, the back doors were open. People were hanging out with the bus. When people get on the bus, there's a guy sitting next to me. People use them as a coat hook. People just started putting their bags on him. Putting, <laughs> like, they wrapped things around his neck. He didn't even, he wasn't even phased. He was just playing, like, a game on his phone. People were putting bags on him. People, had, like, have a, a chicken in a cage. And they just, like, put that next to him on the floor or no something way. like that. Jesus. And they just make it work. They just make it fit. Welcome to Burma. Yeah. Denmark. Awesome country. So cool. <laughs> would recommend. 10 out of 10 would do again. Really? Yeah. It's cool. Like, one of the best places we went there was this place called Baigon. It's just like this very flat landscape that had, at one point, thousands of temples kind of scattered all across the plain. And we rented, you couldn't rent scooters there. The government stopped it. So we rented e-bikes, which are like scooters, except slower. And once the battery started to die, you go slower and slower. So eventually you go from 40 kilometers an hour to 20K. And you're like, am I actually going to make it home? <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Eventually. <laughs> Tonight. But Hopefully. it was cool because you rent these e-bikes and you basically just rip around dirt roads and go explore temples. A lot of them, you can climb on top of them. And it's like old brick buildings that you're just like exploring. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. And uh, there's so many to go and check out. So it's like endless activities throughout the days. These, these countries that are, like, not stereotypical traveling countries that everyone thinks about, I think, are always hidden gems like that. Coming cool. from a non-traveler. Yeah, it's cool, too, because you think about, like, for them, those are, like, national no monuments. And the equivalent of us going and climbing on those, like, as long as people are respectful and they're not damaging them, I think it's kind of cool that there's no rules against it. Yeah. But to put that in perspective to, like maybe something in the first world it would be like the equivalent of going to the eiffel tower and going climbing on that and no one giving you shit for it yeah okay it's yeah. answering national prize national yeah. monument at that point totally and they're totally okay with us going because they go and climb on them too and go check out an amazing sunset yeah so uh do you have any traveling plans coming up i do and at the end of this month i am flying to nepal so scheduled and everything scheduled flights booked things are happening i'm scared it's gonna be good <laughs> yeah what are you um, scared of it um going solo this time like i there's a couple people meeting me along the way but 
it's first time I'm doing like a big trip fully so not fully solo but like solo and planning it all for myself getting all the logistics in place and kind of spearheading it for myself there's gotta be a certain sense of freedom for that though where you're like it's I feel cool. like you're a pretty confident guy where you could put be put in a situation like that where like you're pre- you're obviously pretty sensible in taking care of yourself but also like finding fun shit to do yeah I think it's good that I've had this trip behind me like going through Asia there and then also going through Japan yeah like I have kind of a little bit of that travel background that kind of gives me that confidence um but yeah it's gonna be a complete new thing just doing it fully for my own like Nepal is primarily trekking like I'm gonna try to do two treks first one I'm gonna get there try to do a trek bang it out really quick hopefully not get altitude sickness and then I'm gonna come back and then meet up with my buddy in Kathmandu and my buddy Joe met him in Whistler. He just went back to the UK for a job, but we're going to rendezvous in Kathmandu and then we're going to do the three passes hike, which is like 21 oh, days. Focus. Yeah, it goes Very through like focus. the Everest region. Almost everyone quits after the first one. Hopefully, not me. <laughs> but it goes kind of in the Everest region, kind of near base camp. Yeah. And then not to base camp though, because I don't really want to go there. It's kind of like overhyped. There's going to be like loads of jerry's up there not interested but it's just gonna be like a great place to get out there into the high himalaya the three passes that you cross are all over five thousand meters elevation so we're getting up there it's a good fucking track dude Mm -hmm. the guy that i talked to at work he like he works out for these type of things and Mm -hmm. so you train for it yeah i'm trying to train for it i'm trying to like hike all the time fuck yeah as much as i can i want to hear how it goes what were they saying fucking is it cocoa seeds or something you're supposed to chew to prevent altitude sickness is that what it is? Potentially. Yeah. I think there's probably some kind of local remedy that the locals are doing all the time. Yeah. yeah. But they're so used to the altitude, like, because they're born up there. It's normal, yeah. it's normal for them. It's like Denver. That's it. Like, yeah. Sherpas are like the mountain people. So they're exactly like Denver. Yeah. They're just used to it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like when you go to Peru and you go to Machu Picchu, you're supposed yeah. to drink, like, a special tea made from herbs or something. I have altitude, heard that. Altitude sickness. Or the other thing is, that's yeah. why I'm saying the cocoa leaves, because I'm pretty sure I was talking to a Peruvian guy and he said that that's what they that's like one of their things that they do i think they make the tea out of that yeah i was talking to someone in victoria and he said that his uh, he actually did the machu picchu one and then he's saying that that tea was something they would have every day yeah um i don't know if that's something that would be in nepal per se but yeah like the main thing i'm gonna do is try to go there as healthy as possible and just take my time yeah like the first hike i'm gonna bang out but i'm gonna go up Are you guys slowly guys so, nah, just us <sighs> going <sighs> commando <laughs> all natural birthday nice. suit love it yeah just back to the way we came in it's <laughs> all very hidden speech but um pretty much him, <laughs> him and joe are we fucking on the daily is what he's saying it's, it's gonna, gonna be like their own version of cuddling for warmth yeah <laughs> we're gonna get some yak skin wrap it around us and just hold each other for warmth <laughs> no like, yeah we're going no guide yeah i'll just send you a selfie of us <laughs> If this um, goes well, I'm going to sign you up for that TV show, Naked and Afraid. Oh my god, what a joke <laughs> of a show. Dude, my dad watches that on a regular... I don't know, man, I think you could do it. Wojo watches Naked and Afraid on the daily. Yeah. Naked and Afraid and Jersey Shore are like his favorite TV shows, man. God, he loves a good joke, eh? <laughs> Yeah, he, he loves, loves a good joke. Fucking Wojo, that's so that's true. funny. Um, kind of switching gears a bit, I guess. Um, big travel guy, good on you for that. Look forward to hearing about it. Uh, but we also grew up together. It's kind of where, where I want to end all this and cool. and talk about some stories that we all had of each other. Um, what are some ones that are coming up for you guys right now? 
No, I'm trying to... One of my favorite ones... This is just straight up embarrassing for you, but it's literally one of my favorite ones of all time. You guys have been teeing these ones up. You got like a whole list ready. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a couple that are hoping to jog my memory of more, but basically this one... It was so As a funny. disclaimer, I don't remember any of these. Therefore, did not. <laughs> no, this one you weren't drunk for. That's the best part. Like, this, All this, right. happens, this probably happens to 60% of men growing up, but it's just hilarious because the day, the day after you told us, you're like, guys, you won't believe what the fuck happened to me last night. And you're like, so I was in my room. Oh, man. Just hanging out. Just hucking your meat. With yeah. a bowl of broccoli on the side. Yeah, do you want to tell the story or do you want me to? I can tell as best as I remember it, but I think you obviously... Man, know. I think I remember a bit of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think I was a young Justin sitting in my room. Just happened to find something to play with, and... <laughs> just... Mom happened to be downstairs. Just making a fucking cold-cut trio is what you were doing. <laughs> Mom's a good person. She likes to give me food. No, so. I meant you were making a cold-cut trio, but... <laughs> Buddy, I was yeah. chopping meat. Yeah. <laughs> Five on one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but mom was trying to be a good person, bring me some food. She does it quite often, and she also doesn't knock. So I was taking care of myself. Mom kicks the door open with a bowl of broccoli. She's like, Justin, what are you doing? I just fully tuck and roll into the side of my bed. It's like a little into the trip. side of the wall, pretty much. Wasn't yeah, there's like a gap between the bed and the wall, and I just like <laughs> rolled myself in there. Literally lost for words. Didn't know what to say. All I want to do is hide my junk. And <laughs> Mom, get out. <laughs> it's quite awkward. Told my mom to leave. She put the broccoli on the bed. She left the room. I was fully ashamed of myself. Never talked about that moment again to her. Never brought it up. Never will. Yeah, that's a tough moment. Wow. But it's happened to every, almost every guy. That's the funniest part. Yeah. I think it's that was just unique. Yeah. One and done. And you know what? I thought about it, and then I ate that bowl of broccoli, and I was okay. <laughs> Jesus. That awkward moment when you have to see her again and make eye contact when you go down. That was probably the worst. Oh, man. That was a weird one. Uh, I'm just going to keep going. unless you, you jump in at any point if you want. But uh, I was going to bring up house parties. And one of my yeah. specific memories that I have is, this isn't, this isn't much of a story behind it, but hopefully it jogs some is the fact of the places that we used to hide our beer because we were pretty much a group of seven oh, that would always go to house parties yes. together. Seven or eight, depending on who came. I and loved stashing beer. That oh, was, was like a pastime and a hobby. The funny, the funny thing is, too, it's like we were so concerned that someone's going to walk in and steal beer from our fucking 24 case of Keystone. Yeah. <laughs> Keystone. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah, Keystone. Or our fucking 15 cases of PBR. We're yeah, like, like, yeah, we can't have these gold. Yeah, nobody fucking wants these. Us. <laughs> yeah, no, geez. but let's be real. We were all dirt cheap back then. Anyone who oh, was yeah. stealing beer obviously would drink anything that they could get their hand on. So they, they were and got in for ours. I don't, I don't want to say we were the type to steal beer, but we all got drunk to the point where we're just like looking in the fridge. We're like, what, what's there to drink? Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, you leave it in the fridge. Obviously, you're offering it to everyone. Yeah, uh, that's what that means. Yeah. I remember we hit it in the dryer at one point. We yeah. At someone's house, we don't even know. No, that's what I remember. Dryer, I remember. washing machine, oven. Oven. That was oven. one of my favorites. Oven was like a good one. That was, that was so fun. <laughs> dude. You know how many times you get drunk, you're like, let's make taquitos first thing, preheat the oven. Like, exactly. That's what everyone awesome. does. All the beers are popping or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so Cardboard's dumb. on fire. Jesus, man. Where oh. else? I stash them, good. like, under someone's sister's bed. Under the couch. Couch beers, for sure. That's always a good one. Yeah. I remember one time I went to a party. This isn't even stashing beers, but I had a tool belt and I had a beer belt. I just every single pocket on the belt had a beer in it. Yeah. So I was equipped. Nice. Night. I remember one time. 
Uh, I don't know if it's... I'll cut that out. Yeah, you just cut it. Um, she had a house party, and again, we were, like, stashing our beers. I think we put our case of beer in the oven. Yeah. Like, typical thing. And then for whatever reason, we, like, looked in the fridge, and there was, like, a bunch of veggies and whatnot, and we just started stashing veggies around her entire kitchen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody put a fucking onion in her teapot. There's, like, weird shit all over the house. Yeah. I woke, I woke up the next morning to her trying to make tea, I guess, or something. She's like, why the fuck is there an onion in my teapot? <laughs> and I'm just on the couch laughing. Trolled. Yeah, yeah <laughs> going on that, going to parties and putting weird things in weird places. So fun. So I remember one time, I was... At a party, probably at our good friend Kevin's house, yeah, yeah, and went out into the street for a good old drunk stroll. Ended up finding construction signs, coming back to the house, setting them up in like the middle of like the kitchen, and just passing out in the morning. <laughs> there's just like a photo sent to our group feed, like, why the fuck is this in the house? Yeah. <laughs> now, one of the fa- actually one of the best stories about at Kevin's house is one of his first parties when his parents were on vacation, and we were telling them the last interview that we just did. Like, the whole goal when we're at his house is, like, pretty much don't break anything and, like, don't permanently damage anything. Yeah. And then blackout 14 or 15-year-old Justin comes in the room. And, like, you, obviously when Asians get drunk, they have the redness in their face. But you were past that point. You were, like, burgundy in the yeah. face. It was and a bit you, sunny that day. You dropped, <laughs> man. You dropped, like, a bag of potatoes. Onto the on, news rack. On you the news the rack. Stand, yeah. And just put, like... Some guy, yeah, you just fell all over and crumpled the shit out of it. And looking back, it's a newspaper rack. Like Man, I went lot. Super Mario on that shit. I jumped in the air and my bum dropped fucking hard. <laughs> that was one of my favorite drunk moments, though, because you genuinely passed out right there. Like That <laughs> yeah. was that moment. Talking about Kevin's house parties, first time I ever got stoned was with Justin. Really? Yeah. At that house? Yeah, do you remember? We were, what's it called? We were, it was at Kevin's house. We were hanging out uh house party going on and then i was like i went through like the back door or something and i started going up the deck and there you were chilling with some guy and you guys had a some bong older guy right oh my yeah. god we were with buddies and we were doing bong rips or something like that yeah, which i'm just... not even eligible to do like i was as soon as i do a bong rip i'm not even justin anymore i'm like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm just like different person you know yeah. But then and you guys, like, walked me through a bong and everything like that. That was the first time I got stoned. First time you got stoned was off a bong? Yeah. That was crazy. It was fun. This is a sure shot thing. Sometimes you hear kids like, I don't know if I'm high. A bong. It's like, yo, you, you are high. You know you're not sober, that's for sure. <laughs> My favorite part about those things, those stories was that I was, like, harsh against weed back in those days. Yeah. And it was quite, at the time, it was quite rattling. To see you guys come in on the deck from hanging out with these kids that aren't even our friends. <laughs> And I see you guys come in like so cheached in the face. <laughs> like, what's up, guys? You want to play beer pong? What? <laughs> what? And at that point, like, you can't even play beer pong. Like, yeah. You can even do the things I want to do. Sometimes I got precision when I'm stoned. Yeah. But speaking of people looking cheached, I remember the first time Wiku again. Oh, yeah. God. I think yeah, we yeah. did the classics to get out of your basement window to go smoke some weed. I want to talk about that too. So I think we'll we did we talk about that during your podcast? We haven't talked about that yet. Oh, that's a big thing you got to bring up. It's a horrible thing. So I'll just, I'll, I'll set the stage for the fact that for six years of our childhood, like we kind of incidentally created my base, my mom's basement. Yeah, my parents' basement as like the hangout. That's where my room was. A bunch of room. They always let us sleep over and stay for dinner and stuff like that. Yeah, and so that was always we were staying over there on average like three times a week. I would say twice a week. Maybe. Let's be real. Like for me growing up, Elijah's house was like a second family. Like yeah. Elijah's house cool. was the place that you could go to. You didn't yeah. knock on the door. You let yourself in. Walk if in. no one was home, sweet. You go open the fr- fridge. You help yourself with some food. You sit on the couch and hang out. Wait for Elijah to come home. Yeah, or you'd walk in there and be Elijah's 
alarm clock because he'd be asleep till freaking 4 p.m. So you don't wake him up and be like, yo, let's hang out, man. Yeah. So, so that would that's too. what Elijah's house was for us. So yeah. then during the sleepovers, I obviously am not into weed, but you guys are. Yeah. That sucks. So Elijah would also like to go to bed quite early. Elijah would also. He's <laughs> got tired. Okay, well, not quite early. We're talking like midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah. Maybe sometimes 11 at the earliest. But we really? like, yeah, we we honey dick you a little bit. We'd be like, oh, dude, you don't want to, you don't want to sleep in the same room as like four other dudes. Don't yeah. you want to like sleep in a peace and quiet room? Yeah, I'm blaming Garrett for that one. Yeah, yeah. So we you knew how to get me, man. Like you knew I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, I gotta find a way out of this room, and you guys <laughs> yeah. put on a silver platter for me. So I'm obviously gonna take it. <laughs> yeah. Then you'd go to bed. We'd wait like what, 10, 15 minutes, and then we'd lock the door and then climb out the window in your fucking room and go smoke a ton of pot. Yeah, that was that sounds a lot easier than it is. Like that's like a six foot climb through yeah. a small window. Topaz would do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. we were athletic kids. Cat would send it. <laughs> you basically hoist yourself up, drag your body through the window, which was yeah. like basically like half a foot by one foot, maybe. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know the you know the chair that you had in front of your computer. Yeah, that was like a step stool. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. white one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked. Worked pretty yeah. well, right? Oh, yeah, did did the trick. And we go outside, walk five minutes to BP Pond. Go and fucking blaze, come back and just giggle, play FIFA, watch movies, play TF2. That's honestly whatever. the biggest regret is I missed out on all that. I was yeah. just sleeping. So you smoke weed now? That's kind of a new thing. That's not really of... anymore. Actually, <laughs> I actually have a bunch that I bought. Like when it became legal, I bought some from the government. I've done it twice. I bought it twice, and the last time I smoked, I actually had a really bad time. Really? Yeah, yeah it was not good. What'd you buy? Because this is something Sativa. I've re- really because yeah. what I realized is that I just went to the first time to a dispensary the other day, maybe a couple weeks ago, before I went to Chambois, and I bought. They're like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, "Oh, I can actually choose exactly what I want. You're not just getting something from Delio Pinder. Like you're actually getting <laughs> something you choose to get. It's not ever whatever bottom bag he's gonna give you." Um, so I got Sativa. I just wanted Sativa because I, I prefer to have like a really kind of Head high. I don't want to feel tired. I want to be like fucking weird. Don't do your day. Yeah. So, got the sativa, super lemon haze. It's the best high I've ever had. Oh, I've had that. That's really good. It's I, like yeah. such a good, like you're in such a good place. It's good body high. You're still talkative. You're not. Yeah. You don't feel tired at all. You just have like a high head. Yeah. And you take on the day with that high head. You still got the giggles and everything too, though. So you're totally great time. Yeah. Like Are I did that at Shambhala, which I was actually a bit worried about because I don't. I don't know. Like I. I used. So, to give background, I used to be permafried, moved to Whistler, stopped smoking weed completely and started drinking, and then I just recently kind of got back into smoking weed, like really occasionally, kind of in the evenings, but, so I was kind of hesitant to smoke weed at a festival, because I was like, well, I want to be in an upbeat mood, but smoked this weed, and it was like, amazing, I had such a good time kind of prowling around, just like running around, getting up to fucking whatever kind of shenanigans you can kind of find yourself into. So, the part where I fucked up is I got us, I had like a sativa and it was like I don't even know the, the potency of it like I don't smoke a lot so it's very potent for me yeah and I was just at home alone Megan was actually gone I don't remember where um does Megan smoke pot Megan's never smoked once in her life her and her sisters the first time they do it so the first time they do it they want to they want to eat brownies for the first time they do it which I as a guy I know that that's a recipe for disaster is it not to try weed for the first time eating brownies yeah that's pretty risque I would say but you're guaranteed to get stoned Oh, and more. Okay, yeah. I'm, uh, I, okay, one of the reasons they don't want to do that, they don't want to smoke, is obviously because, like, smoking the lungs is not hot. It's not hot girl summer. Yeah. But also, I think it's because you kind of don't get as high eating the brownies, but that's, like, notorious for getting, like, fucked out of your mind. No, you get high eating the brownies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've never had a brownie and not gotten absolutely <laughs> ripped. <laughs> 
but what gummies. Is so that if, let's say let's say let let's say there was a batch of brownies that if you ate one brownie, one whole square of brownie, yeah. that you would be let's call let's Absolutely. call it. No, let's not call it that bad. Let's call it just below <laughs> it, like high. You are very high. Yeah. How much of that brownie would a first time weed doer, weed weeder, how much would they have to eat to get high? Probably like half. Uh, I'd say like if a quarter. No, because if it's the first time, like from a, like your body doesn't recognize what it's consuming. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like other drugs too. Like the first time you take other drugs, you won't necessarily get as high because your body's like, "What is this substance? What do I do with it?" Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Okay, it doesn't quite know what high is yet either. Okay. Yeah, Fair. I feel like after the first time you get high, and then you know how to like kind of play to it, you almost yeah. get more high just because you accept it. It's a lot of yeah. acceptance. So the the time where I had a bad time, this is where I did not. It's like a what I think is a perfect storm of bad events because I had a sativa. Mm-hmm. I had back pain that night where I was just like, I kind of just want to smoke and get rid of this back pain and like go to sleep and be at peace. Mm-hmm. So I was all alone at home. I kind of wasn't happy with where I was working or anything like that or like my situation with any of that. I think I just got canned actually. <laughs> so I was not in the best headspace. So I smoked a sativa, smoked yeah. more than I normally do, came home and ate all the food within five minutes. <laughs> I had no food left. At that point I was like, all right, I think we am going to go to bed now. But... The day of that I had done that, I was at my mom's house and I had watched, like it was just on TV already from my grandparents or something and I started watching these like forensic files on serial killers and how, and one of the stories was about how they, one of the guys like, he claims he did it while he was sleepwalking. He like killed someone and I was like, this is fuck, because I was laying in my bed, like I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go to bed now and I started thinking back to them and I was like, oh fuck. No one ever does that. No, I know, like a but no, lie. I was so high and I was terrified <laughs> of going to bed. So I was like, I just laid up in my bed for like two hours straight. I called Raffle. He was closing at work and I was like, Raffle, I don't feel safe right now. I was like, I don't feel good at all. Yeah. He explained everything to me. I'm like, dude, okay, you're going to. He brushed it off. I was expecting like, dude, I'll be there in 10 minutes. He's like, hey, you'll be fine. Don't worry. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is going to last no more than 30 minutes. Yeah. You get up, you go get some water and you turn on Family Guy and just enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, so, like, you know, like, I have like you know, two like... thoughts entering from this. I got one. Okay. I think about a time that I took weed brownies and I thought I didn't get high and absolutely got fucking ripped. <laughs> and another side of it is I have a buddy who's notorious for having kind of like, I'm going to call it sleep trauma. Like, he gets sleep paralysis and he sleeps walk. And what if he killed me? Because I yeah. shared a room with him for a long time. Like, yeah. he just woke up and put me to bed. Yeah. yeah. In the, bed. The good part... <laughs> the good part about it is, I think, like, 99.9% of people that do that have, like, some sort of fucked up childhood where, like, mm. unfortunately, they were, like, abused or whatever. Okay, cool. This guy's yeah. literally got pristine childhood. Okay, nice. Yeah. 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 He's good. All right. So, he wouldn't kill me. So, You're let's go talk about the, the brownie that literally put me... It <laughs> didn't put me to bed. It is what happened. So, um... Me and my friends, we had, like, a bunch of bottom bag weed. Just, like, not really worth smoking. We had a lot of it, though, because our buddy gave it to us. And we also had, like, an instant brownie mix. So we put that in a pan. And then for half the brownie, we poured in all this weed. Probably, like, the equivalent, maybe, like, it would have been, like, maybe eight grams of weed into it. Oh, my God. That's just bottom bag. Yeah. Shake. Not really quality. Just put that out there. So we mix it in, bake the brownie, sweet. Eat the brownie. We're watching Avengers, having a great time. Not feeling anything. Just watching Avengers, enjoying being sober. Um, an hour goes by, still don't feel anything. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a bust. The oven must have fried it. Because normally when you bake edibles, you make like an oil or some kind of hash or something. Yeah. I don't know how to do it. We didn't do it the proper way. So then movie finishes, still don't really feel high. And then we're all like, okay, cool. We're going to go to bed. 
So I go to bed, I lay down, all of a sudden, boom. No. <laughs> An hour and a half after we first ate the brownie. Oh, I forgot to add this in there. So I didn't feel it, so I ate the rest of the brownie. Oh. <laughs> I forgot to add that very crucial detail, well, I man. knew there was a topper like that. Like, <laughs> so I ate the rest it. of the brownie just because it tasted good. Yeah. And it kind of tasted like weed, too, and I kind of like that. So ate the rest of it. Went to Then I went to lay in bed, said goodnight to my buddy. He passes out immediately. I, all of a sudden, am really, really 10 out of 20. <laughs> 20 out of 10, actually, high. <laughs> like ripped that's fine and that's the worst time to be high right before bed i know so my head was racing like i had so many high thoughts going on i couldn't express them to anyone because everyone was asleep so i was just very much in my head and then i thought i went to sleep i actually stayed awake for the entire night just being really high thinking about things that when i my alarm went off in the morning i'm like oh i guess i woke up and i woke up or i just like got out of bed i guess and then I stood up, went to the door, grabbed the door handle, boom, hit the deck. Because I guess <laughs> I was just so sleep deprived, probably a little bit of a head rush. And I just hit the deck so hard that James woke up. He was like, oh, what happened? <laughs> and, like, and I was like about to go head to work. And I work as like an airport shuttle driver. So that was probably not a good thing to do. So he ended up calling in sick for me. And it was just like, yo... Justin just passed out. I don't think it'd be a good idea if he drives the bus today. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a little bit burned out too. And he's always like, I just, like, it's really not safe. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, I don't really think he should do it. And <laughs> yeah, that's the one and only time I called in sick without actually calling in sick. Fuck, dude. I know. And I was just ripped. The next time I went into work, they were all concerned because I was working a lot that season, like working like six days a week, loads of overtime. Yeah. Just because I was broke. And they're just like, oh, you know, we're really sorry. Like, you don't have to work that much. Like, because they just thought they were overworking me. And I had, like, some kind of episode that I just ate shit for being too tired. Yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking, nah, I just ate way too much weed. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what happened to me. Like, it just all hit me mostly when I was accepting the fact that I wanted to go to bed. Yeah. And the worst part was I came to the conclusion that I did not want to be high anymore. Right when I was at my highest. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, Ralph, how long does this last? The initial high is usually about 30 minutes. Googling it. It's nothing crazy. Yeah. Uh, you like two the... hours to me. No. So it's like, so when you, when you smoke weed, like you'll probably get high, I'd say after smoking weed, you'll start peaking at about like what, 10 minutes in? And I don't know. If I take a good toke, I can be fucking ripped in like two seconds. Yeah, that's true. Okay. If you like take one fat toke and hold it in. Yeah. I, pr- at least me, I have zero tolerance now. I'll be high after that toke. Yeah. But the thing is like. <laughs> like the second, like. Just be like, whoa. I'll exhale, and as I exhale, I can feel like all my senses just go, you're in high school again, Justin. You are stoned. <laughs> That's hilarious. not that often anymore, though, hey? So, I don't smoke. You guys both been for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. on you. But Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm back, baby. I'm back. Okay. Do you have any questions about the child at all? Um, no, or but well, I have a question for you, kind of. Well, I guess it's not a question, but it's kind of like a story because we were just on, to- on the topic of smoking weed. Um, for a little bit, like Justin, me, Garrett, Brad, we'd all go to the theater and we'd always do like double features. And our thing was that we had this little vaporizer that we'd take with us into the theater and we'd literally just get stoned throughout the course of an entire movie. And I don't know if you ever noticed, but when you'd come with us... I'd always go save seats. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, like, we'd sit down in the seats next to you and we'd pass a vaporizer back and forth throughout the course of every single movie we Well, that's just a douche move. Like, <laughs> not not because you're doing smoking weed beside me, but because you made me save seats <laughs> in the fucking beginning so you could go get high. 
No, we Might I add, not seats. only did he save seats, but he would also smuggle tickets out the theater because I never paid for a <laughs> ticket in high school. Oh, yeah. Josh is just actually a really good guy. We would we'd buy three tickets. Two, two three tickets max. Sometimes. Two, two tickets most of the time. If it was like a busy night, maybe three. Yeah. And we would just send guys in and out with more tickets. Yeah. I think in grade 11, I didn't pay for a single movie, courtesy of you, which is fucked because it's not like I pitched towards your ticket. I just let you pay because I was a douche. He's like, oh, you get my C points or whatever, so he was fine with that. No, I was very much much for it, too, because I was was like, C points. we had found a way around, we had found a way to save money. I was like, whatever. I fully adopted that procedure and took it to Whistler. My first season there, they didn't have the RFID gates, like those auto-scanning gates. They just had the guy. Yeah. So we go up with two people. One person comes down with a jacket. You put that jacket on someone else. Then the two people go up. So basically three people can go up for the price of two. Bang. Boom. Oh. And then once you're up the first yes. lift, they don't scan. But now they have those RFIDs. RFIDs for that yeah. in the butt. I imagine everyone was, like a lot of people were doing that probably. A lot of locals. Think, yeah. It was a good way to be. But it's hilarious. I learned that literally from sneaking into movies. Yeah. <laughs> Translates, baby. Life skills. Yeah. Big savings. Yeah, I want to wrap this up here. Um, yeah. Pretty deep question to wrap it up. You ready? Do you ever see yourself settling down? I really not like family wise, but like just like becoming a bit of a nomad, like choosing a place, whatever, whatever, doing what you want—a career, a family. I do, stuff. fully do. Nice. I want that. Do you do you picture it being like here, Whistler, another country? Definitely Canada. Um, and that's kind of a really nice thing about traveling is it gives you a lot of perspective yeah. of how amazing this place we live in is. Yeah. Like I go and travel to these tropical places, to these mountainous places, to culturally rich places, to just different freaking places. And after I come back home, you just have such a good taste in your mouth because you just know how good it is to be back in Canada. Yeah. And I, and I think the reason why I'm trying to travel so much right now at my young age is because I can always come back to Canada. And especially living in Whistler, like that's kind of what sparked my interest to travel is that it's so, it's almost like a compliment to see so many people coming to Canada and they want to be here. And you see your friends all applying for permanent residency because they think their countries are cool, but they'd rather live in Canada for the rest of their life. So makes you think about how lucky you were to just start here. Yeah, yeah. I started here. I just got dealt a good hand. Yeah. I grew up here. It's actually I happened to be in Vancouver, so near to like one of the world class skier destinations. Yeah. And I it's like be here forever. it's actually a challenge to as a kid going into adulthood to like make yourself appreciate where you are. Totally, and I feel like a lot of people kind of lose touch with that because they don't leave. Yeah, some people grew up in Surrey, will live there for the rest of their life. And don't know how good yeah. it is that they're in Surrey. Like they go I, to school, they get a good career by 22, yeah. in yeah. the career, great money by 40, family, oh. done. Yeah. And you know what? It, people it talk works. shit about Surrey? Great place. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Great place. Yeah. Really it has nice trouble, trouble just like any other city does. Yeah. Every, and there's always punks. I think the only thing that I could think of that sucked is that there was punks. But, yeah. And the gun violence, they're not targeting freaking kids. They're not targeting families. They're yeah. targeting gangsters. So exactly. I don't even care about gun violence. Yeah. Shit happens anywhere. Fuck it. So... Um, I do picture myself settling down. Nice. Probably, I would like to have kids in my thirties, early thirties, thirty-one and a half. We used to we used to make that joke when we were eighteen that like a little fucking jubs running around everywhere that'd be insanity. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited. But Imagine I, just how much send their meat mentality they'll have off of like furniture. Yeah. Oh. You'll, you'll have to babyproof the shit out of your house when that happens, dude. Cotton balls Bubble wrap everywhere. <laughs> hey, Justin, where are, where's your kids' helmets, dude? <laughs> Everyone's going to need helmets. There's bubble wrap everywhere. The house is going to be fucking popping. Yeah, <laughs> literally, literally, dude. 
Sounds good. Kid's gonna be like, yo, dad, check out my send off this couch. <laughs> First words he's gonna say is hawk and hope. Yeah. Hawk and hope. That or send it. Yeah. Just fucking send it. What a great yeah. kids, man. All right, dude, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hope you had a good time. Dude, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been good. Fun. Uh, any shout outs to anyone? Uh, who are we shouting out this week? James. Uh, Oh, James. James Top. James Top. I actually love that guy. I've only, I've only hung out with a few times. But. Quality dude. Definitely one of my best friends. Dude. He's just coming back. He just did almost a year working visa, working holiday visa in Australia. But he guy's going to arrive like a day or two before I go to Nepal. No shit. So you guys are going to get a reunion, eh? Yeah, we're going to have to reunite, <laughs> send, and then send yeah, me away. That yeah. ride for sure. Fuck. Yeah. Actually, the day before my flight, I have a staff party. Last, last question. Do you remember when we were in Tofino and we accidentally met up and then my oh. friend had a seizure into the oven? Yeah, dude. <laughs> he literally fucked? had a heavy headbang into the the fan of the oven and then decided, yo, that table looks soft. Knocked his head <laughs> on the corner of the table and then went on to like start breaking it down on the floor. Yeah, seized right <laughs> up. Yeah. That was like, so fucked. And to have him, like, he did not... He was gushing, not gushing, he was bleeding out of his head. Yeah, he, he smoked his head. He didn't want to go to the hospital. No, he got up, he was like, yo, I'm good, I'm good, man. That was okay. terrifying for like 15 seconds. I was like, this guy's dying in front of me. I was outside, and I just heard him, because right before he sees, he like yelled. Yeah, it was just of, like a moan. Yeah, he was like, like dying something. a very loud, aggressive moan. I was like, that doesn't sound good. No. And then I came in there, and the episode was happening. Yeah. And that's our episode. And that was our episode. Great. <laughs> Shout out Tara, better question. Me. Nice smuggin' me, make it fun of me. What do these ugly mother mother be thinking when they call me? They lucky I don't suddenly go on because of another dimmy. Like a freaking cycle, then what's it gonna be? Mama keep the pots and pans in the kitchen. Mama keep the pots and pans in the kitchen. I'll be banging on the pans in the kitchen. So mama don't be trying to hide the pans in the kitchen.